Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. So glad you came back to listen again. We're going to be looking uh, this afternoon at Psalm 148. I want to talk about discovering the center of the universe. Discovering the center of the universe. I ran across an intriguing article that stated scientists have discovered that the center of the solar system is not the sun. There's an invisible point about which two or more bodies orbit one another that is called the barycenter. Well, being where I am, close to Houston, Texas, I thought the barycenter was a place where concerts are held. But apparently, there's something else that's called the barycenter. You see, the truth is the sun, generally speaking, is the gravitational epicenter of the solar system keeping the planets, the asteroids, the moons, all orbiting orderly and safely around it. But because of the tremendous pull, there's this little bit of a wobble that scientists have discovered that the sun has, especially because of how heavy Jupiter is. They think Jupiter is the one that really is pulling on uh, the sun as Jupiter and all the rest of the planets orbit around the sun. So just in case someone asks you, the Berry Center is not very far from the sun. And so it, the sun really is, generally speaking, the gravitational center. But um, it's just amazing to me that creation, the way God designed it, it just keeps our planet, we are just the right distance from the light and the heat of the sun. Isn't that amazing? I mean, let's say that we just wanted to hop on uh, Venus and just sort of say, well, I'm tired of being on Earth. I believe I'll be over at Venus for a while. The only problem is the average temperature on Venus is 860 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's a bit hot. Well, if you thought, okay, so I'm not going to go that direction. I'm going to go further away from the sun. So let's say you wanted to hop over on Mars and catch a lift there. Well, that'd be the opposite. The average temperature there is minus 84 Fahrenheit, quite cold. You see, Earth is also the only planet that we know of within the habitable zone of the sun where liquid water is even possible. So I'm just thinking to myself, thank you, Lord, for the way you've designed the Earth, the way you placed the sun there at the center of our solar system. So I was thinking about that, and I was almost offended at first when I read it. I thought, now, I've always heard the sun is the exact center of our solar system or our galaxy. But then all of a sudden, I thought, wait a minute. We are not talking about the universe. We're talking about our own galaxy. You see, within our galaxy, they say that, uh, you know, there's all these stars. I think it was like 100 billion stars are in our galaxy. 
But then I read where the Hubble Ultra Deep Field Telescope has sent back enough data that our scientists are convinced that the observable universe actually contains not just one galaxy, the Milky Way. Oh, no. They say there's at least 200 billion galaxies. 200 billion. So if the sun is the center of our eight-planet solar system, then where is the center of the universe? Wow. I don't know, and I don't think the scientists know either. I couldn't find anything that was really definitive that was written on that. As a matter of fact, there's a space probe called New Horizons launched 16 years ago. That bad boy just flew past Pluto in 2015. It's now 5 billion miles away. And with all of the information, good information, mind you, that it has sent back to this Earth, we still can't pinpoint where the center of the universe is. But I want to introduce you to Psalm 148. I believe it gives us a rare glimpse of the center of the universe. It's not where, but it's who. It's not the sun, S-U-N, but I believe it's the sun, S-O-N. The human author of this psalm is unknown. But the theme is so crystal clear. The theme is praise. Praise to our Creator God. Do you know that praise is mentioned in Psalm 148 13 times? Actually, Psalm 148 is in a series of psalms, the last ones, mind you, Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150, that all begin and end with the same exact exhortation. You know what it says? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, Psalm 148 breaks down into a very simple outline. If you're driving, you don't even have to write this down. First, verses 1 through 6 describe praise the Lord from the heavens. Okay, that's the first few verses. But then the last section Verses 7 through 14 could be described as, well, not praise from the heavens, but praise from the earth. You see, whether you're in the heavens or whether you're on the earth, God still deserves our praise. In both sections, it's interesting how they follow the same sequence. It doesn't matter whether you're praising the Lord from the heavens or praising the Lord from the earth. Both sections have two distinct parts in this sequence. First, it brings up a roster of everything and everyone that should praise the Lord. But then it moves from the roster of those who ought to be praising the Lord to the reasons why everything and everyone should praise the Lord in each of those two locations. So let me read through this, and then I want to break it down into a few parts for you. Listen to this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His saints, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded 
and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. You know, gravity is a great mystery, but it's also an obvious reality. It's pulling. It's pulling and it never seems to let go. Can't you feel, as I read through Psalm 148, can't you feel the pull? You feel the attraction. It's like all of creation is being called in the same direction. All of creation is held in place and pulled in one direction. Praise to the Lord, the Lord, our creator. You know, the call to praise him goes out to the heavens, like it says in verse one, right? But who in the heavens should praise the Lord? Well, it lists it here. The angels, hosts of heaven, the sun, the moon, the stars, highest heavens, the waters above the heavens. Sounds like everyone should be included in this group that ought to be praising the Lord. And I assure you that they are in the heavens. Think about it. Even the sun, the moon, the stars, inanimate. They're inanimate objects. So how can they praise the Lord? You know, I think that they praise the Lord by doing exactly what God told them to do. God set them in motion, and they're still doing exactly what he told them to do. So I would say that's how they're praising the Lord. But now I want us to move to the earth and listen to what it says. The roster of those that should praise the Lord starts with, you're not going to believe this, but it starts with the sea creatures and those in the deep. Have you ever thought about how many sea creatures there are? I guarantee you, when I used to go to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I got in the water, I was always thinking, what's under the surface of that water? Do you know that I found out 91% of the sea creatures in the sea and the oceans, they're not yet classified. As a matter of fact, more than 80% of the ocean's floor is still unmapped, unobserved, and unexplored. So how many creatures do we know are down there? You might not believe this. 228,450 different species of critters are in the ocean. Amazing. And God is calling to all of them. He's calling to the weather patterns. Think about the fire, the hail, the snow, the mist, the stormy wind, all of them. Even mountains and hills, fruit trees, cedars, beasts and livestock, creeping things, flying birds, kings, all kinds of people 
When you think about princes, young men, maidens, old men, children, wow. It's just amazing that all of these are being pulled in the direction of praise to our Creator. You know, I'm aware that they say that it took, you know, millions of years for all of these things to develop. I just want to give you a biblical perspective so that you can think about this. It's found in Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. How long does it say in Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9, that it took the Lord to make all of this? I'm speaking of heaven and earth and all these different beasts and the sea and everything. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. There's something in that passage that really speaks to my heart. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Wow. You know, our creator deserves our praise. And I think that's why there's this constant draw, this call uh, to all creation saying, praise him. You see, the second thing I wanted to say is not just the call to creation, but the beginning of creation. You know, in our text here in Psalm 148, verse 5 says, For he commanded, and they were created. He commanded, and they were created. You see, he was there at the beginning. I know that we sometimes refer to when everything started as a big bang. What was that dynamo that produced everything? Well, we don't have to guess in terms of this verse. It says, He commanded, and they were created. I like the word created because it tells me he didn't just sort of cause some big bang. He also designed everything. Have you ever gone to like one of the large aquariums around the world? Have you ever gone into like some kind of big uh, center where they have lots of flowers and uh, all those kind of things and notice the incredible diversity and beauty? I have. And I've been sort of like, prompted to worship God when I see all of the incredible design that he gave to all these different creatures, to all the different flowers, and even to all of us. It's just so refreshing to just see the the diversity that God has placed within his design. Which brings me to something else here, and that is, did he just sort of, um, well, let's say wind it up and then, you know, just let it go? Or is he still involved? Well, verse 6 says he established the laws of nature. And when he established it, notice what it says. He established them forever and ever. Can you think of things that um, don't die? Can you think of something that doesn't wear out? When I was thinking about how God establishes All of these things in the heavens and the earth, and he established them forever and ever. I'm so glad 
that it didn't just wear out. I'm so glad that a previous generation didn't get all of the sunshine or all of the rain. And then God says, sorry, we're done. (laughs) No, it says he established the laws of nature and they are established forever and ever. You see, he maintains the law of nature as well. You know, I think that's what it says when it says he, he gave a decree and it shall not pass away. How do we know that it won't pass away? Do you ever get worried about those kind of things? Well, there's a verse in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. And it's sort of striking when you read it the first time, and it might not stand out, but think about this in Colossians 1, 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Could it be that our Creator didn't just start things, but he actually is still holding things together. There's another interesting verse right at the beginning of one of the New Testament books called Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it's speaking of Jesus. And here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of of his nature. Now, listen closely. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Wow, that's present tense. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Wow. Tell you what, makes me want to worship the Lord That's incredible when you think about it. I want to move next to the functioning of creation. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. It got me to thinking about just trees, just trees by themselves. And I thought once again on this whole idea of the diversity, the variety of creation's patterns. And so I got to looking up how many species of trees are found in our world. The National Academy of Sciences estimates that there are 73,300 different species of trees across the great big world. Think about the elements of our weather. Aren't you glad that we don't just have sunshine? Aren't you glad that there's not just rain? You know, there's hail, there's snow, there's mist, there's stormy wind, there's rain, there's humidity. Uh, Maybe we could do without something. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, diversity of creation patterns. It's incredible, but yet all of creation is doing one thing. All the diversity comes down to one thing, and that's the simplicity of creation's purpose. What is the one thing that all of creation is doing? Have you ever considered that? Well, listen to what it says in verse 8. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Fulfilling his word. You see, God controls it all. It's amazing how everything functions just like the Lord sets it up to function. Now, when we sinned, definitely sin brought great brokenness into the whole universe, no doubt. That's why Romans 8 says that creation groans for the day when the Lord Jesus will come back. But I'm just thinking, even so, 
Still, our universe provides us with the air that we need here on this planet anyway. We have just the right amount of heat. We have water. We have light. There's so many things that are so necessary for human life. And that's why I'm so glad that he oversees the functioning of creation. There is a fifth thing that stood out to me. We saw the functioning of creation, the sustaining of it, the beginning of creation, and the calling upon creation. But there's something really incredible when you come to the last two verses here, surpassing creation. I remember the first time I saw the Grand Canyon. I mean, I just sat there and I just thought, look how how majestic, look how huge the Grand Canyon is. I couldn't believe it. I remember when I saw the Rocky Mountains in, uh, in Canada, but also in Colorado, different locations. Man, it's just amazing to, to just behold the beauty of creation. But is there anything that excels creation? Is there anything that would be like even higher than creation? I think so. And I think that's what this psalm is all about. And I think that we're, we're grossly mistaken whenever we try to make our creator just like us or just like something else that he's created. Let me read a couple of verses to you from uh, this Psalm 148. They're actually the last two verses. And then I want to share with you three things that excel creation. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. As I reflected upon that in my own quiet time, I saw something that was even greater than all the stars, than all the planets, than all the trees and all the mountains and the hills, I saw that God's name surpasses all creation. It says here in this text, His name alone is exalted. Why? Because He created it all. I mean, He's the designer. He's the maker. He's the sustainer. And so I just thought, well, no wonder His name is exalted above all of creation but it also tells us something else that is uh, above creation, surpasses it. His majesty. His majesty is above earth and heaven, it says. So I thought his glory, his glory surpasses creation just like his name. Sometime you should do a study on the biblical names for God that are found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But also... Sometimes do a search on the glory of God. Wow, that is where it's at, to just be so caught up in awe. When my wife and I lived in northern Canada, we used to sometimes enjoy looking at the northern lights. And we would just stand out there in our yard late at night in awe of the northern lights. Sometimes they would be like fluorescent green. Other times it would be like some kind of red, a fluorescent red, but oh, they would just move in mystical and almost magical ways across the sky. And it, so it made me want to research what causes that 
And so I would read different different um, theories of what scientists believe causes the northern lights. But then I thought to myself, yeah, perhaps God uses those things. But I tend to think he just put them up there because he wanted to. He wants us to worship him. I wanted to just break out singing how great thou art whenever I'd be out there in the yard late at night. But I knew I'd wake the neighbors up, so I didn't. But anyway, his name surpasses creation. His glory, of course, surpasses creation. But one last thing. It's not a thing. It's a person. His son surpasses creation. I encourage you to read through the book of Hebrews sometimes. The book of Hebrews is written with one theme, the superiority of Jesus Christ, how he surpasses everything. Whenever I saw this verse here, verse 14, he has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints. You see, I used to play the trumpet when I was in high school, a little bit when I was in college. But I I was thinking at first we were speaking here of the horn in terms of, well, a musical instrument. That's not the idea. The biblical image of a horn, when they saw the word horn as it is used here, he raised up a horn for his people. They thought of power and might. And so I was thinking, what would be the power of God? And I thought about Jesus and how Jesus said, all the authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. That's why he commissions us to go into all the nations and make disciples of all the nations. But I was just thinking, wow, what an incredible thing if what he's saying here is that the horn of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, if he is even greater than everything we see, it kind of reminds me of Revelation 5.12. You know, Revelation 4 and 5 sort of pulls back the curtains and we can see into heaven. You know what we see them doing? Giving glory to God. They're in there praising the Lord and some of that praise is directed to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what they're saying? They're saying you're worthy and they're saying all authority, all power, all honor, it all belongs to you. Friend, I don't know where you feel that the center of the universe is, but when I read Psalm 148, I believe it's our creator. I believe that he's at the very center of it all, and he's trying to draw us to himself. He wants us to have a personal relationship with him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm just encouraging you, why don't you just worship God today? As you go through the day and you see a beautiful sunset, maybe you're on your way to work and you're looking into the the morning sun and you're thinking, wow, what an incredible sunrise. Wherever you are as you go through the day, why not praise Him? I believe that He is the true center of the universe. Why don't we pray together? Lord, bless my friends. I thank you so much for each one. I pray that today they'd be captivated by your glory, captivated by your love, your greatness, your goodness, your mercy, your grace. I pray today that they would know that you created them. Each person listening to me today, you you created them and designed them in their mother's womb. And so, Lord, their life has purpose. 
Their life has meaning, tremendous value. So let them know, O Lord, that you and you alone are their creator and you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You have a great day. God bless you. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.